This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek in Ocala, Florida. And she is Jamie Jennings. And I'm she's right in... here. I'm right here. I'm right here. <laughs> Sorry. I actually just coughed and like to clear my throat, and I'm pretty sure I pulled a muscle. So give me a second. I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. You just stop. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for July 8th, episode 2472, brought to you today by Stateline Tax. Seriously, I pulled a muscle clearing my throat. Good morning, horse world. Everybody up, rise and shine. It's a new day. It's Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Here we go again. And away we go. That's right. It is Wednesday morning, and we're glad that you are here. We have a special show planned for you today, and this was not one we had planned on Monday because, unfortunately, we lost Charlie Daniels, which I don't know. That really hit me. The other day, I guess it did. You're doing a, a whole show. We, you know, it hit you because we have a personal, you know, when you interview somebody and you make a good connection with them, you feel like you know them, even though, of course, you know. Well, and I we had, don't, but you feel like you do. I had seen Charlie Daniels. Uh, we went to, we did a family reunion, my brothers and wives and everything. We met in Nashville and we spent a week there and we thought, well, we're here. We might as well go to the Grand Old Opry, which I really hate old country music, but and that's what most of it oh, was. Watch out. <laughs> but we get to the end and the last three songs, Charlie Daniels shows up. So oh, we got to wow. see Charlie Daniels at the original Ryman Theater at the Grand Old Opry. So, you know, and that was kind of cool. Um, and does if you don't see- like old country music, why on earth did you go to the Grand Old Opry? Because we are in Nashville. We had to. And it's a radio show. And I kind of wanted to see how they did that part of it. You know, it is a live radio show. So, and it was at the old, and and I didn't know the old included uh, church pews to sit on that were from a church in the 1800s that are extremely uncomfortable. (laughs) uh, And, you know, it's just, it was cool because it ended with Charlie, and, you know, that made it all worthwhile. But you don't know necessarily when you're going who's going to be there. Right. Yeah, it's kind of a... But anyway, what we're going to do today is Lisa Waisaki, of course, who fills in here and hosts uh, the award-winning Horse Nutrition Podcast, uh, is knows Charlie and knew Charlie and is going to join us to kind of do a tribute to him. And, of course, he was a big horseman. Uh, we're going to replay an, the interview we did with him. That was back in 2015 for Radiothon around the holidays. And uh, in our Horse Nutrition Podcast Health segment, we're going to speak to Dr. Marcella of the University of Florida about what fly sprays really work. I noticed okay, a lot I of just discussions that on that. I <laughs> so. was so excited when I saw that because I am so frustrated with trying 
trying to figure out what fly spray works because it's a commitment to buy a $20 bottle. So anyway, I'm really excited to hear about something as simple as fly spray. It Which is. one? And I'll tell you when, when we get to her segment what we're using, and then she can tell us it's absolutely horrible for horses. I don't know. We'll find oh, out. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to throw away hundreds of dollars worth of stuff, probably. All right. So let's go to right to Daily Winnie's here uh, and do our Daily Winnie's. Because we do have a full show for you. So my Daily Winnie goes out to all of the listeners to Horse... We have no birthdays today, by the way, of auditors. So it goes out to all listeners of Horses in the Morning. Tonight, Jamie and I kick off our press tour for our 2500th episode coming up in August. We're going to do an interview with another podcast. And we're going to be talking and doing uh, some things over the next month to get ready for that. And then we really want your help. We're going to want you to leave voicemails. We're going to make uh, the 2500th episode a call-in day to talk to our listeners, which is what we usually do on big, big anniversary episodes, which we haven't had once for what 500 episodes or so so we're gonna do that and uh that's all coming up so thank you to for listening just thank you for being here and for being supportive for the last 10 years 2500 episodes we appreciate it we appreciate you being here like to also send a daily winnie out to all of our listeners who continue to bombard me with things about Oklahoma. Yes, <laughs> I did not plan on living my life in Oklahoma. I did not plan on settling and building a farm in Oklahoma. I've lived in Georgia and Arizona and a few places in between, a couple years in Kentucky, I kind of thought that's where I'd end up. No, I'm in Oklahoma. And I would like to thank the person who sent me the photo um, of the strip club that has hand sanitizer wrestling. Um, that was fun. That's an Oklahoma place. I and I Googled that. it. And so it's like a, it's like a girl a hand strip club, san- isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a strip club, and they have like instead of mud wrestling, hand sanitizer wrestling. And uh, I googled that place, and it is very close to me. <laughs> is it really? I mean, it's like <laughs> it's like I could get there in like twelve minutes. So it's a rural strip club. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I'm pretty close to Norman and in Oklahoma City, and it was kind of in between. Oh, it was too close. It's just too close. Uh, that's the first thing. So you signed thanks, up to go do hand sanitizer wrestling? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, that's okay. going to happen. Yeah. Um, I would also like to thank the listener who sent me the thing about the random facts from oh. Horse and Hound <laughs> in UK. Okay. All, all the way across the pond, they know about Oklahoma. This was Horse and Hound. In Oklahoma, it's illegal to let a donkey sleep in your bathtub after 7 p.m. Why is that a law? D- obviously, Why? there was a problem with, <laughs> with that. Dang donkeys <laughs> going to bed in my bathtub. Does we that mean it's legal to let your horse sleep in your bathtub after 7 p.m.? There's a whole lot more questions that you come <laughs> up with with the, than this. I really wish they would have done the research because I would like to know why. So anyway, all of you, thank you for continuing to send me the wonderful pieces of life in Oklahoma. Yay! Y'all can <laughs> Did you see the other thing in there with Wilbur Washington? It was illegal to ride an ugly horse. You risked a $300 fine. (laughs) And who who determines that? Who determines whether the horse is ugly or not? That seems subjective. (laughs) (laughs) 
I, you know, we have both owned an ugly horse or two in our time. So. I currently own a couple of ugly horses, <laughs> but I love them. <laughs> Another one in New York, it was illegal to open or close an umbrella in the presence of a horse. Now, you know that one was put in there because that was a problem. And the, back in the old days when there were, t- you know, oh, that's all that was on the street was horses and somebody would open an umbrella and half of them would go bolting down the road. <laughs> like, that's where that one came in. Yeah. There's a lot of fun ones in that. Hey, I don't know if you announced this or if you got to talk to them about it, but it was announced yesterday, another postponement, and that is the Thoroughbred Makeover, which you participated in last year. I did. I competed in it in one of the uh, highlights of my career. I'm glad I did it. Um, And the Makeover, yeah, we talked to Jen Reutz, and that's going to be on Retired Racehorse. When does that come out? A couple of days, I think. Yeah. So Joy got to talk to her about it. I was stuck in traffic <laughs> driving a horse trailer through Oklahoma city with horses on it. Um, so she ended up getting to talk to her and talk to her a lot about why they had to postpone and what they're going to okay. do about it. And basically what's going to happen. If you want to hear all the details, I'll make you go over to retired racehorse, but they're going to do a 20, 20- 20 class and a 2021 class next year. So they'll be honoring the entries. Yeah. And, and because the problem you have is these people have already got their horses and they're already training them. So you can't put them in with the new people that are had less time for next year. Yeah. Because they'd have a whole year of training under their belt. And here's the, the problem with that is that, you know, you've, You've got a horse that you've been working, but nobody was able to go anywhere with their horses for a couple months. And some of the barns were shut down. So it wasn't fair to some of the people that didn't, weren't able to go train their makeover horses and not to go. Because one of the biggest part of the makeovers is getting your horse acclimated to traveling and going places. So uh, they couldn't go anywhere. Um, So anyway, it was. I think that they've come up with something really good. Of course, there's always, you know, people that are mad, like somebody's like, but then I have to pay to feed it and house it. And they were like, well, then sell it. Okay. That's just, I mean, like, what are you going to do? So, uh, yeah, I mean, and I did, uh, I've had, we've had people asking about Equitana and, uh, I I don't know anything, but I I think we're going to hear this week on whether that's a go or not. Oh, please be a go! <laughs> so they're going to have to decide pretty soon. Uh, you know, they they have deposits and things they have to put down. So and that was another problem is they're having a hard time. You know, the, the horse park has to have so many rules, and they weren't going to allow vendors in. And I guess they really make a lot of money off the vendors and to put it, put it on, and that wasn't going to be a part of it. So I don't know. Well, pretty- and the other thing that's concerning a lot of these people is with the numbers going up, they don't know you know certain places in florida are shutting down again and they don't know if that's going to happen so it's very scary if you're putting out tens and tens of thousands of dollars in deposits on on venues and hotels and all that stuff it's scary (laughs) when you're a you know when you're running a big show like this it's going to be interesting though because the thoroughbred makeover has 600 horses to begin with Uh, and now you might now not all of them will go next year but maybe a thousand horses that's gonna i I was wondering like how are they going to do that i mean that it took two days for the hunters to get through the two-foot class yeah, I know. Which they got Some rid of, of those the classes two- were huge. They finally got rid of the two. They're like, we're not doing that again. We all need to jump two six or get out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have to. Uh, they're going to have to do something. To keep the numbers. They can't put twelve hundred horses in there. It's just and, and it's well, too many volunteers. Gonna, That's the other yeah. thing. There's so many volunteers to make all this. There's a lot of volunteers. Yeah. Uh, to make any horse show happen, there's so many volunteers. So yeah, I you know I I can't say that I blame them this year. It was just going to be too hard for everybody. Uh, and you're right. I didn't. I didn't even think about the fact that they that some of these horses haven't been out at all. Yeah. Yeah. 
depending where you it's live. Definitely going to be a big show next year. <laughs> big show. A big Maybe one. you can go and enter a class. I'm not talking to you, Glenn. I'm talking oh. to that person listening right now yeah. that's thinking about it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say what? I'm like, they have a Maybe driving you class. Can compete. <laughs> that's right. I'm talking to you, person listening right now. <laughs> I did it. You can do it. I didn't die. Well, today's horse health report is brought to you by the Horse Nutrition Podcast on the Horse Radio Network, award-winning Horse Nutrition Podcast. The Horse Nutrition Podcast covers topics that you all will love. It highlights the world's most extraordinary horses, how they're trained, and what kind of nutrition they're given, a part of Purina's Full Rain documentary series. Go to PurinaMills.com slash Full Rain to see them all. The latest episode is all about movie horses and Clay, who was on this episode, had some great stories. So you're definitely going to want to check that out. Well, next up is a regular guest to the show who's... Well, unfortunately, we just heard from Dr. Marcella. That's a joy of doing a live show, and she couldn't make it at this time. We we have to postpone this for another week, and that's too bad. I, I will tell you what we've been using for my pony that works the best is Human Deep Woods Off. Yeah, but that's like a million dollars. I- <laughs> I know it comes in the little cans, but I'm wondering if, because a little can costs like $6, if, or the, you know, half decent size can costs like $6, two of those is $12, three of those is $18, and that's the price of one of the fly spray. So I think it's about even. I don't think they last as long. Uh, I think you can get like three sprays on your horse in those cans if you're doing all the legs and the belly and all that. I don't know. It works for it. You know, it really does work. <laughs> I don't know if it's good for horses, but I don't, is it any different than the crap you, you get in the others? I, I did get a message from a, hold on. Okay. You want to hear something funny? We have a couple minutes to kill, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Bless her heart. Now that we do, we'll, we'll, we'll get her on uh, again. This is related to fly spray. I got a message from a girl I went to high school with and she sells essential oils. And she said, I thought about you because I came across an article about essential oil oils and horses. Mm-hmm. I've become passionate about learning and sharing to help family and friends. And I hope that everybody uh, does <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Anyway, then this is what she says to me. <clears throat> now, again, it's like a link to essential oils and, and I'm sure that essential oils are probably a much healthier way to keep, uh, flies off of your horse, but I didn't read that because probably I probably better than it. deep woods off. <laughs> yeah. It's probably healthier than deep woods off, but I didn't get to click on the link because I, I froze at this comment. It's so hard to believe that in six years, we're going to have our 30 year reunion. It's insane. Is it really, really? <laughs> six years from now? <laughs> You had to throw that up in my face. I was like, oh, my God, 30 years. I'm like, oh, wait, in six years. In six years. That okay. means in one year, you're going to have your quarter century reu- qu- quarter mm-hmm. century reunion. Yeah. You know what? Years. I'm going to book my reservations now, <laughs> says no one in my house. <laughs> wow. Isn't that scary, by the way? Did I ever tell you what happened to me? On my high, my, I went to my 10-year high school reunion. <laughs> Was that and the last like, one you went to, by the way? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, of course. Because <laughs> I'll tell you what happened. Uh, I go, uh, they, they did like those awards, you know? And this is the most typical thing that could ever happen to me in high school around these people. And I <clears throat> I was not, 
I did not love the experience of high school, but 10 year reunion, I'm on the radio in the city I went to high school with and I'm on one of the biggest shows and (laughs) I'm kind of a big deal. People know me, right? So I go to my reunion and out of my class, uh, one one guy went on to be a football player in the NFL, but he's like third string, you know, his name is Robert Bean. And so I walk up and and they give the award. Okay. And the award for most famous goes to Jamie Massey. Come on up, Jamie Massey. Come on up. And I come up and I get this <laughs> the award stupid, for mo- most famous, most famous. And I get, <laughs> and he hands me the certificate. This is the guy who was like our class president. He, before he hands me the certificate, he holds onto it and he talks into the mic and he goes, I just want to let y'all know she got this because Robert Bean's not here tonight. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh, thank you for that. That is the epitome oh of my high school my career God. right there. I was like, and don't I you never... wish you had your whip along? <laughs> oh, oh my God. I was like, and this is why I hate all of you people. And I'm never coming back to any of this ever again. And I believe the drinks are free and I'm going to indulge myself <laughs> and y'all can suck it. Yeah. That was the epitome of my high school career. Just so you know, she won this because Robert Bean wasn't here. Shut up, Quinn. Who do you think you are? Oh, his name had to be Quinn. It was Quinn. It had to be. The president of the class has to be named Quinn. So I told this story a long time ago, I think, on the show. But the only reunion I ever went to was also 10 years. And they actually invited me to because I had to own the acting company to actually do do some entertainment. Oh, no, no, no. So we went in. I brought some of the cast along. We, we were on our way to another show, so I could only be there half an hour, and then we, we left to go to another show. So I picked the kid who used to pick on me endlessly in high school, and I brought him up, and oh, the yes. king picked him for the one bit that really makes a fool out of the person. And that's who I picked. It was so that was satisfying. satisfying. It was. I mean, I was thinking they were going to be like, uh, like Glenn and tights. Like, look what happened. You know, they I also were like... carried a very sharp sword. So, which I got <laughs> in this bit to hold to his neck, by the way. So oh, it was all so satisfying. It really. And then I left. I walked out and didn't say hi to anybody. That was the last reunion. I don't even know. I have never. That is back. like a drop the mic, <laughs> peace out kind of moment. If I've ever heard of it. <laughs> And I had two very large night guys along, too. So if things went south, I had protection. <laughs> All right, let's Monkey do some weird... Like, there's your weird here. news. We've already started on weird news. <laughs> so here's some more. Okay, well, first of all, let's start with, remember last week when I told you about the mountain lion that was roaming the streets of San Francisco? Oh, yes. Yeah, because it's not a place you expect him. No, Uh, he was clearly very lost. It was a 50-pound male cougar believed to be less than two years old, and he was wandering around uh, in... He kind of came from the Northern California mountains, I guess. I don't know, but he was wandering around in San Francisco, and he had been sighted all over the place for two days. They finally captured him. He could him. probably live forever on rats there. So, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, they finally captured him, and he was released into a uh, local park or whatever, and he's going to be just fine. Um, but <laughs> the San Francisco Zoo has come out now and like raised their hand. They're like, hi. I just want to let you know that 
something killed two wallaroos and a kangaroo and we thought that it was local wild carnivore is what they said and we're pretty sure that it was the mountain lion so basically the mountain lion <laughs> was just like popping into the zoo eating the things that were like not in cages and then popping back out and wandering he's through like, the city he's like they put dinner right here <laughs> i mean it's like it's free. it's a buffet it, it's a smorgasbord <laughs> it's all right here it's amazing so anyway congratulations to the mountain lion you you can drop the mic and leave your reunion buddy you did it <laughs> and we feel sorry for all the animals that were eaten uh, <laughs> yeah this uh is the headline where i like to say run just run keep going because, Glenn, a highway in Virginia was backed up for nearly an hour Wednesday after motorists found themselves sharing the road with loose pigs. That's right. <laughs> the hogs were spotted on I-95 South and uh, near Carolina County around 1 p.m. And then I love, you got to love the quotes, okay? And what people say to the, the this is Fox News. It wasn't immediately clear how the pigs wound up on the interstate, but Diane Madison, who was driving home when she came upon the scene, told the paper she saw four hogs in total. She estimated they weighed around 400 pounds each. Does Diane Madison have like a weight <laughs> scale? Like, you know what? That hog looks about 400 pounds. How the hell do you know that? I, if I saw a hog, I couldn't guess how much it weighs. But she goes on and tells Fox News because clearly everybody just reports the truth. Everybody's an expert on everything nowadays. Yeah, exactly. There is video as well. The closure backed up traffic for at least two miles. They ended up. Uh, being transported in a trailer that was hitched to a Ford F-250. There was no but no accidents around, so these suckers just got out. Uh, I think they did find the owner, and they have been charged with failing to secure the animals, and an investigation is ongoing. Way to go, Richmond police. All right, let's see. I have, Glenn, I can do two more. What do you think? We have uh, three minutes. You decide. Okay, well, if you live in South Carolina, watch out because the coronavirus and everything shutting down, the alligators are wandering around, okay? Um, <laughs> they're, they're not seeing anybody out. We can be out. We're yeah, getting out. they're just... Tired they're of being in the swamp. <laughs> they're, they're apparently... Um, they're just making their way around. And uh, there's a lot of unusual sightings of animals and uh, alligators in South Carolina. Okay, just watch out, guys. All right. All right, Glenn, the last one I saved for you, okay? This is just for you. We're going to go to Great Britain, um, to Cornwall. And there was uh, uh, two young women who were out in the ocean, and they were struggling to swim. And then another member of the family ran in to help them and started getting pulled underneath too. And Jessica Lawton, who was an actress and a singer, told Cornwall Live, I saw the young women struggling to swim near the rocks. I swam towards them and I thought, oh my God, you know, they can't quote what she said, as I realized how strong the rip current was, I was struggling myself and they were panicking. She did all she could and she saved them in the water. 
She saved them. She has no training to be a lifeguard. She said I was going to tell them to float. They were all holding hands. So I grabbed one of their hands and I pulled them all onto the beach. She struggles up to the beach and they realize she was skinny dipping at the time. <laughs> Bug ass naked. <laughs> so uh, one of her friends is quoted again, Fox News. One of her friends is quoted. Not all heroes wear capes. And some of them, <laughs> some of them don't even wear bikinis. That's a great line, though. <laughs> we were saved by a naked woman. Yeah, who was I got to admit, if ocean. I'm out there floundering, I, that, if I'm going to take my pick on who's going to save me, I, I'm picking that one. <laughs> the naked model I'm going actress. right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I did the story. You're welcome. Thank you very much. I appreciate it because now I have that in my head. <laughs> State line tech, still the 30% off pop-up window right there. I think it lives there. I, it must. So you can still get up to 30% off. And talk about flies. They still have their fly sheets on sale. They have a whole bunch. They have Amigo fly sheets, Rambo fly sheets. They have uh, how, uh, horseware fly sheets. All of them are listed there. They have the three-in-one evolution fly sheet, which my pony wears. And that is uh, marked down as well. Some of these fly sheets, like the evolution fly sheet, is marked down 13% off. The protector fly sheets, 28% off. And, you know, fly sheets aren't cheap, especially when you get into the really, really good brands like Amigo and, and Horseware. So right now, go check those out at statelinetac.com. I don't know if you can add the 30% off to that too. Uh, it's on there. I would give it a try. <laughs> I don't know if it already applies to, uh, our, you know, stuff that's already on sale. Another thing that I notice, and a lot of the horses around here, I think more and more people are doing the fly leggings things, aren't they? The are well, yeah, the, the, the fly boots are amazing because um, your horse stomps of flies, and if your horse has shoes on, especially, you know, you want to talk about losing shoes in the summer. So I put fly boots on all the horses that have shoes on. The rest of you can just like suffer basically. No, um, <laughs> because you have to, but you have to take them off every day and kind of readjust because they can get rubbed. So they yeah. are kind of labor intensive, but they're totally worth it because then you're not losing shoes. I think in the last 10 years, we've seen a lot more people using those than ever did before. That's uh, because they weren't there 10 years ago. Horses, uh, like generations of horses have suffered. And now they all have clothes. And there's something that I think was used more on the Western side than the English side and has kind of made its way over. They also have some shirts on sale, summer shirts of all different kinds, men's and women's. You can find the link to that from their homepage in the casual apparel section. Uh, and they have some of those are up to 40% off in the shirts department. So check that out also at statelinetech.com. And, you know, this uh, weird news segment was brought to you by the Horse Nutrition Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> on the Horse They're Radio so Network. <laughs> <laughs> now in their third season, each show highlights some of the world's most extraordinary horses, how they're trained, and what kind of nutrition they're given to help fuel their performances. Episodes this year inclu included uh, training Hollywood movie horses. That's the last one. They had one, a great one on therapy horses, doing one on vaulting coming up. And also they did a look at uh, traditional charro horsemanship. Lisa does a great job with those. And we'll talk to Lisa here in a moment about it's Charlie Daniels. Yeah. Uh, and also you can find all of that, including Purina's Full Rain documentary series at PurinaMills.com slash Full Rain to see all the films, interviews, and podcasts. Well, one of the segments that uh, we have been doing over the last uh, 10 weeks, really, is the Chicory segment uh, from Chicory Wealth on finances and horse people. And today is a 
final version of that. If you missed the past ones and want to know about insurance, and we did segments on almost everything, from finances, from the stock market, to insurance, to budgeting, and all of that, uh, you can go to horseradionetwork.com slash planning, and all of the ep- all of those segments are on players right there in a row. You can just go down and just listen to those segments individually. So that's where you can find that. But let's take a listen uh, to Chickory Wealth's final segment in this series. We are excited to bring you another educational series here on the Horse Radio Network. This time, we're going to talk about finances with certified financial planner Christina Kramlick of Chicory Wealth. As horse owners, finances are something that we are acutely aware of, and hopefully this series will help us better understand where we are and where we can go with our financial situation. So, Christina, this is our final segment in this series on finances for horse people. I hope that you've all found it interesting, that you maybe have learned something along the way. How do we want to wrap it up? Well, uh, it's been great, Glenn. I've learned so much from working with you, and I'm really appreciative to be on the show. Um, I think it would be, you know, kind of useful to to touch on some of the themes that we've we've worked through and kind of take a a view towards some of the volatility that we've had in the markets and how we can use some of the behavioral economics research to kind of uh, perhaps be more mindful and importantly, avoid common investing mistakes. So I want to go over that today. Sounds good. When we first started this whole thing, there was a lot of panic selling going on. If you'll recall those super volatile days of the spring and it's, classic human behavior to try and escape short-term pain, especially in the face of uncertainty. But the markets have really come back since then. And had you sold out, had you locked in your losses, which probably would have been a mistake. I would say the best thing to do if you have an investment plan that suits your long-term goals is don't try to time the market. Stick to your plan as best as you can during rocky times. Don't deviate it because of a temporary downtick in performance, as it really could throw its long-term performance away um, and leave you, you know, without what you've been planning for for years and working your way towards. So, you know, look, think about it like this. To time the market, you have to be right twice. On the way down, you have to get out at the right time. And on the way up, you have to get up. You have to get back in at the right time. So your chances of success in timing the market are super low because you have to be right twice. So don't let the pain of a short-term loss on paper make you give up on your long-term investment strategy. You know, I think for the next while, we're going to have a lot more volatility. So I think it's incredibly important for people to remember that. So there's a couple concrete ways that you can step away from the craziness. If you sometimes feel that impulse to just sell it all. Um, Here are a few ideas. Number one, avoid looking at the market if you can. If you have to check your retirement account or your or your stock your brokerage account frequently, consider reformatting how it's presented. Look at it in terms of projected retirement income, because that's what you're actually going to be living on rather than total wealth. It will give you a bigger picture of your particular situation and it'll be much less volatile than the broader market. Number two. Consider deleting all market apps from your phone. I know it sounds crazy. 
But if you're prone to people are going through withdrawal right now, they're (laughs) what? (laughs) But if you're prone to make impulsive decisions around short term performance, build in the guardrails for yourself. Force yourself to call or email your advisor or your spouse or, you know, someone who will kind of talk you off the ledge when you're tempted to sell rather than sell everything at once from one impulsive click. Or get somebody like Christina to help you. That's what she's there for. (laughs) Yes, we are here. (laughs) Three, remember that the market declines can present great opportunities. It's not a crash. It's a sale. Your advisor you know, can, or you, if you're doing it yourself, but you know, you probably want some help, uh, unless you're an expert can find some good things to add into your portfolio during those down days. And they can rebalance your positions in the overall portfolio toward, towards a better mix. So if you have some cash that you can put into the market, when good opportunities present themselves, great, choose your moment and, you know, buy low, as they say, number four, Remember, and again, this is a little bit of a retread, but those who stick with their goals are probably more likely to shrug off the market losses and capture the value of the recovery. If you don't sell, you don't lock in the loss. The important thing is don't give up your plan. And I just want to illustrate this point a little bit more. So if let's assume you're looking at it as far as total income in retirement rather than total overall wealth, and you're getting closer to retirement, and the market downturn shows that you have a 9% decline in total projected retirement income. Even if your portfolio doesn't recover fully, you can make up that market drop by making some adjustments to your retirement plan. A week or two ago, I talked about Shlomo Benarzi, who's a behavioral economist at UCLA. He calls it a one, two, three approach. And that means push off retiring by one year, save 1% more for the next two years and reduce spending in retirement by 3%. Those are really small amounts. Keep in mind. So even if the market never recovers, you will have made up for that 9% drop by making those small moves. So again, the important thing is to think broadly and long-term about your plan. Don't be reactive to, to, market events. Take the time to create the plan that works for you and your long-term goals and and don't get caught up in short-term panics. That'll prevent those investing mistakes that worsen the panic and cost people serious money. To wrap up my time with you, I would say, first of all, take the time to take stock of your financial life. It will give you so much peace of mind, especially in turbulent times like we're in right now. Know where your important documents are. Think about your goals and aspirations for yourself and for the people you love. If you're a horse person, chances are you spend some money on your horse habit. Try to look at how that spending fits into the larger dynamics of your life. Are you going to be able to sustain your horse habit for years to come? I would like to make sure that that answer is yes. It might take some planning to make it happen, and I would urge you to start doing that planning now. Secondly, you might sleep better if your investments are aligned with your values. There's a whole investment approach available that can help you invest sustainably sustainably, if that's something that you care about. And if you missed any one of these 10 segments that we have done on, on finances, you can go to horseradionetwork.com slash planning. And we have players there with just these segments. So you can go right down through them one after another if you'd like. And more importantly, if you'd like to get help with your financial future, how do people go about that with you guys? 
we'd be happy to hear from you. You can go to our website. It's www.chicorywealth.com. And I'll just tell you a little bit about who we are. We're an independent financial planning and sustainable investment management firm. We work with individuals and families, including business owners and um, high net worth, as well as people just starting out um, to do financial planning. And also we manage their investments. So we also work with a number of charitable organizations, helping them manage their finances and endowments. We are uh, fee only and we are fiduciaries. And that means that we don't accept commissions on anything. And we are uh, operating solely in um, the business of advising our customers and clients. So um, we'd love to speak with you about um, all all issues related to your financial planning and investment management. We also help clients uh, review their insurance situation, their taxes. We actually offer tax preparation, lots of other services that um, that might be helpful to you as you take stock of your financial situation. Thank you, Christina. I know I've learned so much. We hope that you as listeners have learned as well. And as I said, if you want to go back and take a listen to some of the past episodes that you have missed, just go to horseradionetwork.com slash planning. That's horseradionetwork.com slash planning. And you can find Christina at chicorywealth.com. Thank you, Christina. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you for joining us for our financial discussion today. These concepts are broad in nature and may or may not apply to you. The content is provided for informational purposes only. Please see your financial advisor or call Christina at chicorywealth.com to discuss your individual needs. That's chicorywealth.com. I want to thank them for doing this series with us. We really appreciate that, the time they put into it. We were supposed to start that right as COVID uh, began, and and we kept having to put it off because people were thinking about other things. But uh, I think it came out great. And as I said, you can go find all of those all of those segments all in one spot by going to horseradionetwork.com slash planning. All right. Well, we all know that uh, Charlie Daniels passed away, what, two days ago? It was right after we did the show, I think, on on Monday or Tuesday. And uh, one of the things that, you know, it just hit me kind of hard because we've had Charlie on. And, of course, I love some of his music. And uh, he was really a pioneer in that whole Southern rock thing that went. But I thought, who better... Uh, to talk to about it than our own Lisa Wysocki, who knew Charlie, right? Didn't you know Charlie? I did. Yes. How are you guys? Good. Hello, Lisa. Oh, Hi, Jamie. Ja- Jamie, you're way far away. You're you got really quiet on us. Uh, you might have to. No, you might have to unplug and plug in or something. <laughs> something happened. Something happened. So, so Lisa, how did you know Charlie? You know, um, for a while there, I got out of the horse thing and somehow found myself in the middle of the country music industry as a publicist and an artist manager. And way back, 
Oh, maybe about 1990, I had one of my artists appear on Nashville Now, which was on the old Nashville network uh, that a lot of the listeners might uh, remember if they're old enough. Anyway, I, we were back in the green room. I was there with my son, Colby, who was five or six at the time, and um, Charlie Daniels was also on the show. And the green room was absolutely packed, and there was no seating area. And Colby was standing against a wall, and the only space was like, I don't know, two inches next to Charlie Daniels. And Charlie turned to Colby and said, son, come over here and sit by me. And so Colby did, and he knew who Charlie was. He'd listened to his music, and and Charlie was asking him all about what he did, what he liked. They were talking about baseball and Power Rangers and Teenage Mutant Ninja (laughs) Turtles. And, you know, I I mean, and I later found out that's who Charlie was. He was far more interested in you as a person than he was in talking about his music or, you know, anything else. He wanted to find out who you were, and I think that was one of the keys to his popularity. People knew he was genuinely interested in them. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and do, so you kept in contact. He was in your book, yeah. too. Talk to, uh, remind people about your book, because it's been a long yeah. time since we talked about that. Yeah, so so I, in 2008, I did a book called Horse Country, and it was all about country music stars and their horses. And unfortunately, the book is out of print right now, although I do have plans to update it at some point, uh, hopefully in the not-too-distant future. Um, and, I, you know, I pitched the book to my agent, and, and I did this book proposal, and she went out to the publishers, and um, a publisher bought it, and they're real excited about it. And so I thought, well, with all my music connections, this should be pretty easy to get all the A-list artists who I knew had horses because we'd already talked about them. And, you know, I hit a brick wall. And I mean, I called every publicist and oh, everybody was on tour, they were in the studio, or they weren't interested. And I'm just like in panic mode, thinking I've already taken this huge advance for this book, and I'm gonna have to give it back. And I was and none of us likes to do that. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, you know, it was a nice five figure advance. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'd already spent most of it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm going, Oh, my goodness. So I was at a music industry event and um, bumped into Charlie. And I, you know, just he said, hey, how you doing? And I said, I, and I told him about the book and the thing. And he said, well, he said, I'll do it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and he said, I would love to talk about my horses with you. And so I got his publicist to put that in writing. And, you know, all of a sudden I made those phone calls that you know, a week or a month earlier, people had shut me down. And I mean, within two days, I had Willie Nelson and Brad Paisley and George Jones and Tanya Tucker and Kix Brooks. And this was all just because Charlie was in the book. He was so respected that everybody's like, well, if Charlie's doing it, then I want to be part of that too. So amazing. How's my sound right now? Uh, You're still really, really quiet. Maybe change ports. You were fine earlier. I don't know what happened. Lisa broke me. I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> Try. Are you there? Yeah, call me back. Okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I don't know what happened there. Um, we're yeah. having one of those days. So tell us, yeah. you know, he was, so he changed country music. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I think the thing about Charlie Daniels was is he never wanted to categorize himself as a country music performer or artist or songwriter. He, you know, he did gospel, he did blues, he did R&B, he did Southern rock, he performed with some of the hardest metal bands there ever were, Um, and he did classic country, contemporary country. He just liked music in general, and that's what his records are all about, and some of the records, if you listen to to the albums, 
it's got all different kinds of music on one single album. And I think that appealed to people, you know, and, you know, he, the other thing I think people really liked about Charlie was he had his viewpoints and whether you agreed with him or not, you had to respect his ability to express himself and, and be proud of what he stood for. Um, and I think, I think people liked that about him too. Devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was oh. in a bind. He was way behind. He's willing to make a deal. How much? How's my sound? Good. Uh, we heard so, that. Wait, I know the yeah. whole song. I'm from Georgia. Like you have to know that. And <laughs> yes. That's what I told him. That's your national. Interview. That's your state anthem, isn't it? It's, it's, it's like it's like part of your high school graduation. Yeah. requirements. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, did you ever meet him, Jamie? Did he ever come through one of your studios? I did not do country music for long enough to to do to to meet him. Okay. I I got to do some country music award shows in Nashville, but I was stuck with all those fancy pop country people. I didn't get to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now tell us, were you ever at his ranch? His ranch that darn was Carrie Underwood was in my way, Glenn. Yeah. I had to fight her off to try to find Charlie. So yeah, yeah. Uh, his it was too. Twin Pines Ranch was the name of his ranch, and he lived there. I mean, he lived there with his wife for like 80 years, it seems like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you know, he got the ranch because he he actually had horses, and he was boarding the horses, and he thought, you know, I should have my own place to keep my own horses, and his horse herd had been growing. I think he had five or six horses that he was boarding at that time, and this was, what, way back in the 70s, and um, bought, I don't know, 80 or 100 acres and built this fabulous house up on the hill, and, you know, he had a, he started, I think, with a barn just, you know, a, a tack room and two or three stalls and a lean-to. And, you know, then it grew to this huge um, facility with uh, an indoor arena and he roped and, and bred paint horses. And I think he got a, some kind of Lifetime Achievement Award from the Paint Horse Association uh, for his contributions to the breed. And, um, you know, he, but he would ride, um, and he rode, he rode walking horses and, and spotted saddle horses and, um, but liked his paint horses, liked the quarter horses. Cause of course he was a roper, he was a healer and, um, really, you know, he told me, and I think he told a, a number of other people too, he'd rather rope or ride, uh, than go have dinner at the white house. <laughs> so, so I, the I other thing it. I read too is he had, and I didn't know this is like in 1980, he had a terrible accident. Uh, yes. with an auger of all things and got his sleeve got caught or something pulled his arm in and he, he had multiple broken bones and all kinds of things i mean it, you know that was before he started having strokes and all that stuff but uh, he also had cancer along the way i mean this guy yeah. did battle it all oh he really did and you know when he had that accident i think at one point they thought he was not going to be able to play music after that yeah because his arm got into the auger uh which yeah. broke it up really bad and you know oh, he played yeah. the fiddle <laughs> so <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah he had his his health challenges for certain and he, he was you know certainly a big man i don't know exactly how tall he was but probably six foot two or three i mean he was a big guy and you know heavy in his older years and um but certainly went through everything with with grace and always you know if you read his blog or you know or ever talked to him or or listened to an interview he always had such a great attitude about everything you know i mean he just never got down or if he did he never made that public and i know people who knew him very well i mean people who you know spent christmas and thanksgivings with him and and his family and and they say the same thing that he never got down about any of his challenges are you okay saying what you said to me yesterday about yes. what he did? Yeah. 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 So, you know, a lot of the listeners know that my, my son Colby passed away in 2009 from an opioid overdose. And when he passed away, the music community learned about it very quickly. 
directly. And the first person to send me flowers was Charlie Daniels. And it, it just, that's just the kind of guy he was. And it, it just meant so much to me because he met Colby through the years. I mean, that first time when he was five and then through the years, maybe, I don't know, half a dozen times after that. And, and for him to, to jump on the gun and say, hey, we need to do this and, and sent me this huge, huge bouquet of flowers um, and a really nice heartfelt card. Uh, he didn't have to do that. You know, and and most other people would not have done it, and and it just meant so much to me. I dried some of the flowers; I still have them, and it just it just means so much to me. And I will say, uh, when the flower delivery guy delivered them to me, he was like shaking. He came up the steps to my house and he rang the doorbell, and he was shaking. He said, "These flowers are from Charlie Daniels." <laughs> Do you know him? And he was like falling all over himself. And he was, you know, it's like the highlight of his day that he got to deliver some flowers from Charlie Daniels. And uh, but you know, that's just that's just who Charlie was. He 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 treated people like he would want to be treated he was kind and generous if he could help somebody he would if he could just brighten their day he would do that and i think you know so many of these celebrities and just people in general um don't they're just not like that he he kind of took those old cowboy um thoughts about you know morals and ethics and treating other people right and that's that's what he lived and i think more of us need to maybe kind of be like charlie because he certainly was well loved in throughout the industry and throughout the world. I, I was telling Jamie earlier in the show that I got to see him. We got to see him. My whole family had a family reunion in Nashville, and we got to see him at the Ryman uh, uh-huh. for the Grand Old Opry. He happened to be there that night, played three songs, and uh, it was certainly the highlight of that whole show. You know, it, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, uh, and it was cool seeing him in the old theater, and you know, he just yep. and you could tell he. I mean, he came in, and you know, Grand Old Opry is kind of an interesting place because they just come in and play. I mean, yeah. you can tell the people that are there that are showing up just like music, and and sometimes they do jams, and I mean, it's just it's just interesting to watch. And he just comes, and he just loves. He loved the audience, and he loved to play. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. He he loved the music and he loved good music and he really loved people. And that came through and that's why he sold, I don't know, in his lifetime, I don't know how many bazillion records he sold, but, you know, it certainly was in the, the multiple tens of millions. And, um, and I think people will support an artist like that, you know, just whether or not they're really in love with their music, they're going to buy it just because they like the guy. So, yeah, and it is interesting, too, you know, he, what a lot of people don't realize, <clears throat> excuse me, is he wrote for other people. He wrote for Elvis Presley. <laughs> I mean, yes. uh, he wrote yes. for uh, Bob Dylan. I mean, he wrote yes. for other people. Well, and, and he was, a even before he, he was known as a fiddle player, he was just known as a good musician. And he was a session player in Nashville, meaning he was the guy, you know, the producers would call to come play on the other artists' records. And he played on Bob Dylan's records. He played on, I, I can't remember all, who all else, but I mean, major, major pop and rock artists that Charlie Daniels is playing guitar or playing, you know, fiddle or steel or something on their on their records. Was The Devil That Went Down to Georgia his breakout song? That was 1979, yeah. by the way. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. And yes, you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player, too. <laughs> there, I'll make a bet with you. You play pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil to do. I'm about a fiddle of gold to get your soul, because I think I'm better than you. <laughs> <laughs> I can keep going. <laughs> boy, yes. my name's Johnny, and it might be an awesome. <laughs> 
Wichita Jail is another one that uh, comes to mind. Uh, yeah. We all have our, our songs from Charlie Daniels. Uh, how many times do you think he, he had to play The Devil Went Down to Georgia? About well, a million. I, you know, <laughs> I, I worked with so many other artists. And, you know, Johnny Paycheck comes to mind. And, you know, his big song was Take This Job and Shove It. And he hated the song. Hated Take the song. Take this job and shove it. Yeah. I ain't working here no more. Go. <laughs> So he, but Charlie really liked Devils. I mean, he really liked the song. He wrote it, but, but. And it was fun to play. I heard him say that too. It is a fun, if you're a fiddle player, it's a fun fiddle song, right? Yeah. 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 I think that's the worst thing that can happen to an artist is to have a really breakout career hit that you absolutely hate. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was Garth Brooks. I watched him in Vegas and he talked about this, the, 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 the song shameless and he was playing guitar and there's a point he puts a guitar down and just goes out to the crowd and sings. And he's like, it's because I couldn't play that. I wasn't good enough. He had guys. <laughs> He's like, I put my guitar down. I'd walk out there and I'd get the crowd going. And basically, it's because that guy over there had to play that part. <laughs> yeah, there were, there were two, had a song. two performers yeah, from that generation I kind of put together. And that was Charlie Daniels and Dolly Parton. Oh, yeah. You know, because just wholesome down home people who you know had who are still that way to the very end but yet uh and you know in her case really supported the community she came from oh Uh, oh, absolutely yeah yeah and she uh i don't know if you know this but every child in the state of tennessee who is under the age of five gets from birth to age five gets a book from dolly with her imagination library once a month she's amazing yeah yeah so Yeah. yeah they were kind of in that same same generation uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and um, you know, I think, you know, again, another really kind, generous, genuine person who treats people well. And, you know, the other thing about Charlie like, that a lot of people don't know is his, not only his band members, but his publicist, his business managers, his his personal assistants, they were with him for decades, decades, 30, 40, 50 years they were with him. And that just doesn't happen in the music business or any other business anymore. But he treated his people so well that they just, they wanted to stay. I know it was true of his ranch hands because when Jennifer tried to get this interview we did with him back for the first Radiothon, I believe it was, uh, in 2015, she contacted the ranch. And it's the ranch that contacted Charlie. And uh, and you'll hear this interview. We're going to play it for you because uh, I I know Jamie hasn't heard it in a long time. And I know most of our new listeners have never heard this. Now, keep... And Lisa, can you hold on to after? Do you mind? Sure. Absolutely. So... Um, this is Charlie Daniels. It was 2015. It was our first radiothon. So it's at the holidays. It's it's uh, Cyber Monday, the Monday after Thanksgiving. And if you remember right, Jamie, he told us before we went on the air that he was at a venue doing a concert that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was calling us from like the green room. So uh, the sound is not perfect here, but you can hear him. And uh, this is this is what it sounded like uh, all those years ago. Lucas was two years old, by the way, and he, and we talked a little bit about that. It was really really unenjoyable. It was kind of just one of those cool moments. Yeah, being a, we were so host. excited. <laughs> and here it is. Let's take a listen. Well, hi, Charlie. Welcome to our special. We're so happy to have you as our first guest today. Well, I'm honored to be with you. Thank you for having me. Now, Glenn, got, yeah. let me stop you. You do not address him as Charlie. You address him as Mr. Daniels, okay? No, 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 no. You're wrong. No, no, Charlie. Everybody, even little kids call me Charlie. I prefer it. 
Well, My daddy's hey. name is Mr. Daniels, and I never forgot that, but I'm, <laughs> I'm Charlie. <laughs> well, you know why I think I can call him Charlie is because I saw you at the Grand Ole Opry for the first time at the Ryman Auditorium. So yeah, yeah. It, anybody that sees you there can call you Charlie, in my opinion. That's absolutely right. That's yeah, anybody <laughs> didn't see me there in commentary. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this. With your tour schedule, which is incredible, uh, do you still get time to get back to Twin Pines Ranch and the horses and ride and do all that? I don't get. I do not do as much as I used to. Uh, I, I, I haven't roped in a long time. I used to do a lot of team roping. Um, but, um, of course, age has something to do with that, too. I'm... Um, I'm not as I'm not as able to just get up in the morning and go jump on a horse and stay all day as I used to be. But uh, I still enjoy getting on. I got a couple of nice old using horses that I yeah I say old and not so old, but they're the boys are pretty careful about what they let me ride anymore. So I'm in <laughs> here. You know they got they got one busted down pretty good before I get on him. And uh, yeah, I do I do get a chance to ride. We'll go out. And, I'll get together with guys. We'll go out and spend a while riding once in a while. Up there. I still enjoy it very much. Now, we, you know, this special is all about everybody's favorite horsey holiday memories at Christmas time. Did you get to spend a lot of Christmases at the ranch? Would you go out and ride? Was that part of the tradition? I'm always, uh, I'm always going to be home at Christmas time. That's the one thing I'm going to have all my people. I got a lot of married people with kids and grandkids with me. And I'm going to be there, and they're going to be there at Christmas. If no other time of the year, we're going to be there at Christmas, always. And I used to do uh, quite a bit of riding around Christmas time because that was my time off. And, uh, yeah, I would get uh, get together with the guys and go out and ride. Cold weather riding's fun, you know. We bundle up real good. I remember one time I came home from Hawaii, and I was my time was all boogered up like it always is when you come out of those time zones. And I had laid down and took a nap. And I woke up, it was just starting to get twilight, and it was snowing. And I said, I got to get on a horse. So I called out the morning. I said, You guys got anything to do in the back pasture? And y'all woke them up to something. I said, How about selling me up something? Selling so, a fact, I'll be down in a minute. I did. And, and, and we rode back and riding when it's snowing. I mean, not a blizzard, but when it's just kind of, you know, when snow's kind of coming down and the, you hear the horses who is kind of padding on top of it. And that is a wonderful experience. Anybody's never done it, I would I'll highly recommend it. Yeah, it is. It truly is. You now, do you live? Uh, do you have a house at at the ranch, or is the house separate? Oh from yeah, the ranch? yeah. Okay. No, no, no. I live on the ranch. Oh, very That's good. my home. I've been there for thirty, gosh, thirty five years, something like that now. Well, tell us about uh, tell us about the ranch. I'm curious to know where is it, and uh, you know, tell us a little bit about what goes on there. It's in Wilson County, Tennessee, about 30 miles east of Nashville, off of Interstate 40. Yeah. Uh, as far as what goes on there, we have been through several phases. Uh, we, our, our main interest was horses for quite a long time. And uh, we went through, uh, well, using horses, basically roping horses and that sort of thing. And we got into cutting horses pretty heavy for a while. Did a, a lot of breeding down at the King Ranch and... Uh, Wow. had some really good cut and blood on our place. But uh, basically, now we are actually more into cattle, into uh, horned herds right now than, than we are horses. We keep we keep horses. We still stand in a stud, and 
we're still, uh, you know, we're still, we're still dealing in horses, but we raise a lot of cattle. Cattle prices have gone up, as I'm sure you're aware of, tremendously here the last little while. So we, we get into them. So, but, um, we always have some horses. Always have some good horses around. Did your kids get into it? Oh yeah, my son, and my whole family did. My wife and myself, and in fact, even before we had the ranch, uh, we got into horseback riding. We used to have to lease. Well, I'm not so much lease, but just ran a, a place to you know to keep them to board them. We used to board them, and what's one of the main things when we went looking for our own place our own, with some acreage. That was one of the main things that we wanted. We wanted some place to go and ride our horses. And before we even moved to Twin Pines, there was there was a double white trailer out there, and we used to go out and spend the weekend there and, and ride. That was a a big deal with my whole family. So you married well, then you got a woman that'll spend her weekend in a double wide. She like must like horses. <laughs> oh yeah, she's awesome. spent a weekend anywhere, I am, and I'm the same with her. We've been married fifty one years, so oh my we gosh, pretty good. yeah, I would say. <laughs> I, so. and I bet horses and having the ranch and having the family around really, really helps all of that too, doesn't it? Oh yeah, I mean, it, you know, it was a great way for us to spend time together. Of course, at the time we didn't think so much about it. It was just a natural part of our lives. It's what right. we all enjoyed doing is make sure everybody had a good riding horse, and uh, you know, just go out and saddle up and ride around the property and and uh, enjoy ourselves. But it was like it was just such a natural thing for us to do. We didn't think about it so much as recreation as we did. It was just part of our lives. It's a lifestyle, absolutely. Now I, I gotta, I gotta thank you because for two reasons. I'm, I'm a Georgia-born girl. I grew up in Georgia, and I'm now in an Air Force family. And obviously, I think to enter the high school system Charlie, in Georgia, she's a, Charlie, she's understating it. Her, her, her husband is an F-16 fighter pilot. So. Uh, Marcy. <laughs> yes, he's really he's really cool. But what I was going to say, Glenn, is that to enter the high school system in Georgia, you actually have to recite and sing the all lyrics from Devil Went Down to Georgia. So I passed that <laughs> test. <laughs> and I could still do it. I could I knew you were coming on. It's been in my head for days. You just like you don't you don't get into school if you don't like you don't have any friends if you don't know every lyric to Devil Went Down to Georgia. <laughs> oh, and, Marcy. Where's that, your husband's station, by the way? We're in Phoenix, Arizona right now. I, there's no riding oh, okay. in the snow here, but um, I sure we we hope to retire when he retires. We'll we'll be going to Oklahoma. We already bought well, some bought about twelve acres there, so we're ready to to do what you're doing. Well, I'm, mar- I'm married to an Okie. I'm married to an Okie. I'm, oh my wife's from Tulsa. She's from Tulsa. Oh we my are. gosh, he, she's he's from Tulsa. Tulsa. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my son was born in Hillcrest Medical Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. No I got kidding. deep roots in, in Oklahoma. Oh, yeah, we used to live there. We were married there, uh, like I said, 51 years ago. So, oh, my gosh. Deep well, roots in Oklahoma. No kidding. <laughs> Happy anniversary. We're, we're just going to have to be best friends now because obviously yeah, we have yeah. so much in common. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But I wanted to thank you, too, for all that you do for the troops. I know you, uh, you're really supportive of our military, and I do appreciate that. Well, it is an honor to to um, support our military. I've done it all my life. I was five years old when Pearl Harbor was bombed. My formative years were during the Second World War, and the war was very serious to us because I lived on a sea in a seaport town, and we had shipping going out, going over to Europe to the war effort, and uh, they were sunk just off our coast by 
German U-boats, and sometimes it was so close. I never saw it, but I've heard some of the grown people say that uh, it was so close at times you could see the fires of battle from our beaches. So we took the war very seriously. We never knew what the Nazis might try to bring it on on shore. And I learned, I say this every night uh, to the crowd, I learned very early in my life that uh, only two things protect America, and that's the grace of God and the United States military. It's that way, man. Be that way, that way now. It will be that way as long as we remain a free and sovereign nation. So I'm very beholden to the military. I always have been, always will be. Well, I, you know, I just appreciate you showing that to them as well. But uh, I got to ask you, being the the, I mean, you're a Grammy award winning singer. You must have a favorite Christmas song that you sing with the family. I don't know, at Christmas time, you sing it to your grandkids. Anything like that? I don't so much sing, but. A song that has been part of, of our, I've got my wife will put, we have Christmas records. I've got three Christmas records out, so we play them. But uh, a <laughs> they song get to hear that you always, <laughs> yeah, always been part of Christmas in our house is Nat King Cole's Christmas song, the Chestnut Trojan song. I can't imagine Christmas without it. It's just a, it's just natural. I mean, to walk in a house and, we, she does an incredible job at decorating. She has five Christmas trees, <laughs> and uh, she just really gets into it. And it's just a, we're a very traditional family. We have traditions that we do year after year, uh, and one of them is you know doing a lot of decorating and putting the music on, and listening to it. And that that song, if I had to name one song, it would probably be that one. Wow. I always wondered if a family like of an artist like yourself, of a singer and a musician, if those families sit around the tree at Christmas time and actually sing Christmas songs, or does that not happen because you're tired of singing? Well, it's not because we get tired of singing. I just don't. It's just not something we particularly we do. I mean, yeah. we break out and sing a song or something, but not in any kind of an organized way or anything. Right. You know, it's okay. not really part of our Christmas tradition to sing, you know, sing gospel. So I'm going, going to church on Christmas Eve always is. Yeah. Uh, we go to early service on Christmas Eve and uh, we come back and uh, we get back home. Our early service starts about four in the afternoon or something. We get back home. We always have a bunch of people over for, for Christmas Eve and a very, something we've been doing for a lot of years. That's part of our tradition. And, uh, you know, just, uh, Things that we do that we do year after year after year, and it just wouldn't seem like Christmas time without them. So I've got to ask you, uh, Charlie, Mr. Daniels. Um, so if I've got a two-year-old, and he's just two and a half now, so we're starting to realize that he's going to start to understand what Christmas is. And what do you think the one most important tradition that you guys do is? Because we're trying to, my husband and I are trying to kind of start to figure out what we're going to do on a on a yearly basis. What do you? What really means a lot to your family? Having your son. Is it a boy? You said it's a son? it's a little boy, son? yes, sir. Okay, having your teaching your son what the true meaning of Christmas is. That's the birth of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't teach him, he's not going to know. Uh, the world's not going to teach him. But that's what it's about. That's what we try to remember in my house. That's what we try to keep first and foremost. Is this is the celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's what we're doing this for. No matter what anybody else wants to call it, if they want to say Merry Christmas or not, or they want whatever they want to do, we will follow our traditions and we will follow our beliefs. And the truth of the matter is, this is Christ's birthday, so let's keep that first and foremost. It's the most important thing to teach you. 
Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think we can add anything to that. Thank you, right. Charlie Daniels, for joining us and leading off our horsey holiday celebration for 12 hours live today. We appreciate you stopping by, and I hope you get a ride in this year on Christmas. <laughs> Thank you so much. God bless, and a Merry Christmas. Well, we're back live. Um, I, one guy I don't think's meeting the devil. Uh, right no. now. <laughs> no. I no, that, love, the I devil's love in Georgia. He's not going to see him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jamie, I loved when he kind of turned that interview around and started interviewing you. <laughs> he did. That, that was who he was. He just did that all the time. He was so interested in people. Yeah. I mean, it sounded like what he did with your son. Like, he's like, hey, tell me about yourself. You know, I mean, the thing is, like, he's done a billion interviews, probably answered every question 150 times. You know, I I think that, yeah, him turning it around and being like, all right, well, let's have a hold your son. Where do you live in Oklahoma? (laughs) (laughs) I love it, though. That's what I love. I love those kind of spontaneous things where it's not just QA, QA, QA. It's a conversation. And he was a conversation. Absolutely. And we've interviewed so many people now, thousands, that, you know, we know, we know what we're getting, especially with the celebrities, when, as soon as you start, you know, in a minute, you know, Jamie and I can tell in a minute, and Lisa, you know, in a minute, what kind of interview it's going to be. And you you just know, you know, and we've had some celebrities that have been just like Charlie, you know, been more, more, I would say, Jamie, wouldn't you say it's been more genuine with the celebrity interviews? They've been genuine because they're talking about horses. They get off their soapbox. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, from my experience, and Lisa probably can attest to this too, uh, people that are being interviewed that are professionals know how to turn it on at the right time. I don't think that happens with us because we do talk about something that's not very common for them to talk about. But when you interview somebody about their new TV show or their new record or something, they are on their best behavior because they're selling. But these people aren't selling anything when they come onto our show. They're just there to talk about what they love. That's why I love this show. And I love uh, some of these, uh, these cool interviews that we get to do, Lisa. Yeah, no, absolutely. And just from having been a publicist and been in the music industry, you're absolutely right because they'll, I've seen artists just walk onto the stage, turn it on, and then walk off the stage and turn it right back off. Oh, right and, back off. Right back off. You're yeah. like, oh my God, what I happened know. to you? I know. <laughs> you're a dick. <laughs> Jamie's told me off air about some of the celebs she wasn't impressed with uh, off stage. (laughs) Yeah. Jamie Fonda. Oh my God. Did I? Excuse me. (laughs) Yeah. But Charlie, Charlie was just what you, just what you heard. That was Charlie. He just was the same, no matter if you saw him, you know, backstage someplace or at the grocery store or on stage, that's just who he was. Well, um, we're going to wrap up today's show. I wish I could play play his song, but I can't <laughs> because then I'd have his people suing me. So uh, I can't play it. So you'll have to I take. I can sing it. You'll have to take. I, I was just going to say maybe not sing it, but you can you can talk it out. Do you want me to like do a dramatic reading of the devil went down to Georgia? Oh, there you go. Yeah, dramatic reading I style. I, I wish I had some background about music for this, but I don't. Reading in my yeah. head. <laughs> <laughs> now I gotta get the, I don't know if I can do it without singing it. Let's see. I gotta find the lyrics. Uh, the devil went down to I'm not gonna find the lyrics. I'm just gonna, just gonna wing it. I'm just gonna do it. The devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind and he was way behind and he was willing to make a deal. And then he came up on a boy playing on a fiddle and playing it hot. He jumped up on the hickory stump. He said, Boy, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know it, 
but I'm a fiddle player too. And if you care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. You play pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due. I'll bet a fiddle of gold against your soul because I think I'm better than you. The boy said, my name's Johnny and it might be a sin, but I'll take that bet and you're going to regret because I'm the best there's ever been. Boom! Look at you. Was that from memory? <laughs> yes, of course it was. <laughs> She's a good Georgia girl. That's amazing. That's and a- I'm not gonna. <laughs> Lisa, hold on with us, okay? Thanks, thanks for joining us, and thanks for the stories and that story about the flowers. That got me yesterday when you told me, and got me again yeah. today. What an amazing story! It gets me too. Yeah. I, I just, he just was amazing. Real loss. I, I'm. Everybody's really sad. All right. Well, we'll be back tomorrow, everybody. It all starts to show and fire. <laughs> and I, if I can get Jamie smoke. to stop. Uh, tomorrow <laughs> is uh, tomorrow's Mary Kitzmiller Day. And then Friday will be some really bad ads. And we'll announce a bunch of new prizes on Friday, too. Thank you. LisaWysaki.com is where you can find Lisa. And also over at the award-winning show, the Horse Nutrition Podcast. Find her Yay! there. Yay! <laughs> y'all. Bye, y'all. Hey, stick around. I'm going to talk. I got a problem. I need help. Yeah, I got auditors. Auditors.